Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Wow. Hello and welcome to the Abroad Japan podcast, probably the best way of learning about life in Japan without actually being in Japan. I'm your host, Chris Broad, and we're joined, as always, by England's top Japan enthusiast, Mr. Pete Donaldson himself. Pete, how the devil are you doing today? I'm good. Still in my half-finished studio. Not even half-finished. Oh, what are you doing? He's on the <laughs> webcam. He's waving uh, a bottle of Costa coffee. Uh, like he's king of coffees or something. I, why have you switched from um, one black tarry looking um liquid to uh to, to another another brand you see right. boss coffee now now you're banging into the costa coffee is there sugar in that because that looks very unlikable i have no loyalty to any particular coffee brand pete um i've gone through boss coffee the tommy lee james one uh i had tully's coffee and now costa coffee the british coffee from london as it mm. says here established london 1971 i've traveled Ooh. to the other side of the planet for a costa coffee a black Costa coffee with no sugar. What have I become? <laughs> I, it is good, though, actually. I hate to say it, but I, I, I had a sip. I, I've, it's been in the shelves for a few weeks now, and um, it's quite good. It tastes right. a bit like cold brew coffee, which is hard to find in a sort of canned or bottled form in Japan out, outside of Starbucks, and it's great. Out of a lot of uh, – out of all of, like, the – British London based uh, <laughs> coffee brands. I did not see Costa Coffee being the one that breaks through on the other side of the bloody world. <laughs> Taking the world by storm. Yeah. It's good. It's good. I, I feel a bit guilty drinking it, but it tastes good and that's all that matters. I, I, the wrong. thing about this, there's Costa Coffee and then there's, I think, Cafe Nero. Uh, being, you know, mm. fairly popular brands in Britain, and probably one. beyond as well, I suppose. But, um, but I can't remember which one sells these little kind of um, like little coffee beans wrapped in chocolate. And and these boxes have been around for like what feels like ten years, and no one ever buys them. And I don't know why they still sell them. They sell little mints in packets, little mints in tins. They sell. Um, uh, Stroop waffles, and nobody ever buys these products, and they're always huh. on the front of the uh, of, of the counter. And I never understand why nobody ever buys any. There's always just the, 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 nobody ever get picks any up. Terrible. I'm the man. I'm the man that buys the Stroop waffles. <laughs> I'm the one of five people that buys the Stroop waffles. Stroopy boy sticks it sticks it over my hot coffee, lets it melt a little bit, and then bites into the sort of gooey <laughs> caramel goodness of the Stroop waffles. Yeah, yeah, it's so bloody pricey though, isn't it? But do you, do you even drink coffee? I never see you drink coffee. It's just alcohol. 
I'm more no, I mean, <laughs> well, that, that, that for one is a besmirch of my good, well, passable name. But yeah, no, I, I do drink coffee. Um, but unlike you, uh, I don't drink it at seven o'clock at night. I have I have one, maybe two cups during the day anymore. And I'm um, Jeffrey Jitters, I'm afraid. I'm, I'm, I'm all jumpy. Jeffrey Jitters. <laughs> I mean, it's 8 p.m. here and uh, I'm yeah. going to pay the price for this. I, w- I couldn't sleep two nights ago because I stupidly had like a cup of coffee at 9 p.m. And then I tossed and turned for like three hours, and I don't know why I'm drinking this. <laughs> so this. silly. What am I doing? You, oh. Honestly, I just worry for your soul. I worry for your body, um, and 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 I worry for your 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 psyche. This isn't good for you. Your, all your I dreams no will be like these technicolor kind of acrid um, abominations because of the amount of coffee you drink so late at night. <laughs> it's the secret to my success, Pete. That's why I brought in Japan. Is, uh. is, a top YouTube channel. It's the stupid amounts of coffee I consume before bed. We've got a story here uh, from a chap called Justin Ooh. from San Diego. And Justin begins, Dear Karyaga Chicken King and Pouch Ice Cream Overlord Pete, my name's Justin from San Diego. The wife and I are frequent listeners of the podcast and fellow Japan enthusiasts, and we try to make annual trips to Japan. Uh, we have a lot of interesting stories, but here's the one that stands out for me. While staying in Asakusa in Tokyo, I was sitting enjoying some sushi and beer when I had two older gentlemen come and sit next to me and start talking to me. It was your standard, what brought you to Japan kind of conversation. At the end of my meal, one of the gentlemen insisted on paying for my food and beer, then requested that I join him uh, and that he show me around the fine izakaya packed side streets of Asakusa. To my, due to my love of beer and my highballs and delicious food, I agreed without a second thought. As we walked down the famous Hoppy Street of Asakusa, the gentleman was greeted by nearly every izakaya on the stretch, by both employees and the patrons. He seemed extremely well-liked and well-respected and made it a point to introduce me to everyone while explaining my upcoming journey to Tohoku in North Japan. During the span of my three hours, we hopped from Izakaya to Izakaya, drinking, demolishing karyage, and enjoying good laughs with everyone who came over to say hi. I was having the time of my life, and unbeknownst to me, it was only the beginning. After our seemingly high-profile Izakaya pub crawl, the man walked back to my hotel with me. Oh, God. When we arrived, he told me to wait a few moments as he booked a room and requested that I meet him back in the lobby in two hours. I reluctantly (laughs) agreed. So two hours later, I headed down to the lobby once again to be greeted by the gentleman. He told me I would enjoy the next place he was taking me to. Oh, good God. (laughs) Where's this going? We walked for about a mile until we reached this boisterous, well-lit building where I quickly realised he'd brought me to a maid cafe. (laughs) Once inside, it was obvious they knew him and everyone came over to greet him and quickly seated us in the centre of the large establishment. The man's biggest desire was for me to meet every every woman working that evening. Every 20 or 30 minutes, he would have the managers send over a different employee for me to talk to. Whiskey after whiskey, cigarette after cigarette. Uh, God, the conversation after conversation I was feeling very catered to. I was having the best welcome to Japan moment I'd ever experienced. After several hours of testing my Japanese skills and destroying my liver, the gentleman asked me for the bill. I quickly pulled out my wallet as I peeked to the, peeked at the bill uh, and a whopping 100,000 yen came out. Uh, I pulled out 50,000 yen for my wallet as I thanked the man for the great experience while he very directly declined my money. I insisted I pay half, but he, ref- he refused profusely. Uh, he declined, almost angry uh, that I wouldn't accept his omotenashi uh, culture. Naturally, I had no say-so at this point and reluctantly gave in. After saying our thank yous and goodbyes, he drunkenly, uh, we drunkenly stumbled back to our hotel, then parted ways. 
after some respectful formalities and conversation. To this day, I've always wondered if he was just a very generous local or if he was some sort of secret Yakuza boss that was plotting my admission into the Yakuza. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed my experience as much as I did. Keep up the amazing work. All the best. Justin, best friend to the Yakuza. What do you make of that, Pete? Was it a generous man or a shady individual, but a polite individual nonetheless? We can never know. And and look, polite individuals who want to uh, show foreigners guide you a a good time can switch halfway through the night. You know (laughs) that they are there's free will in this world, and they at any point could switch from um, lovely uh, drink purveyor to nightmare yakuza boss. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean. We've had so many stories of folks that have got, uh, you know, swindled out of their money. A friendly person mm. on the streets of Shinjuku is like, oh, yeah, you want a free drink? Follow me. Let's go. And then they're robbed and drugged and it's horrible. But mm. I think because he'd shown this guy, Justin, around like all of Asakusa coming to the hotel and whatnot, it's pretty encouraging. He seemed like a nice mm. bloke. Might not have been a Yakuza, but he definitely was. He definitely was. <laughs> he definitely he was. ran all those places, didn't he? <laughs> protection racket or whatnot but uh it's kind of a nice story though like that's, yeah. that's nice I've, i don't think i've ever had that sort of encounter except when i was in um nagano for a new year's once my first year in japan and i had a really nice mm. guy who my friend luke and i bumped into out front of a 7-eleven called tomohiro and tomohiro took us to like every bar in nagano and uh, we would never have found our way around and we would never have found those dive bars it was a really fun mm. new year's eve getting drunk with Tomohiro and his friends in like a bar or two. So, yeah, I don't know. You've got to take a risk once in a while. Just, yeah. just be careful. Take a calculated risk. <laughs> For the love of God. Um, this week, we've got a fax machine special, ladies and gentlemen. Maybe it's because in recent weeks, the Japanese government has tried to outlaw fax machines, and this is our way of saying, screw you. We love the fax machine. Or maybe it's because we don't have any news this week, and we've just been lazy. <laughs> you decide, but... Into the facts machine, we've got a lot of stories from you guys that have been piling up. We want to answer and go through them all, basically. And we've got one from Jesse. Over to you, Pete. What's our first story of the question of the week? Jesse. <laughs> Get it together, Chris. Uh, Jesse says, uh, hello, Christopher and Peter. Um, I've become addicted to a YouTube channel where a British guy travels across various countries in a straight line. <laughs> what a what a YouTube channel. I'd like to do something like that, and I read about the Yamanote Challenge. Essentially, you walk around the entire Yamanote line. I've taken that line a few times, but I'm not sure of the scale. How feasible is walking the entire Yamanote line? And will we see it in a future series called Journey Around Tokyo? Jesse, didn't we watch or didn't I watch uh, a video from a guy who may have emailed in after this? Yeah. Uh, it's talking about he was doing a, a similar sort of thing. Um, yeah, Japanese he's guy. He's stroll around. Yeah, Japanese bloke. Yeah, it was on, a, on a bicycle, a I think. He cycled That's it. That's right. He was cycling it, and I think the bike might have died or something. But, um, yeah, he was very grateful for your, for your shout-out, if I recall, from the email to say thank you, Pete. Um, well, <laughs> yeah, go on. Yeah, sorry, Chris. Uh, yeah, they. I think um, I think thinking about it, though, um, my favourite uh, YouTube at the moment is the same one that was mentioned on alternative uh, podcast viewing, uh, Trash Taste. Well, you were on it, Chris, uh, where a guy goes around um, sort of the um, unlovable fast food shops of uh, Northern England yeah. and sort of reviews them. Um, right, big fan on. of that guy. He's become quite the star. Um, he's got no culinary reviewing expertise at all. He just eats the crappest of the crap food, Chinese chips <laughs> and spring rolls. And he's gone, oh, that's right, good, that bloody lovely. <laughs> 
and he's got <laughs> nothing to say about the food. He just sits and jams his mouth full of uh, very, very high uh, fat uh, food. Uh, so yeah. maybe you could mix the two, Chris. Maybe you could eat the oh, in God. every Moss Burger on the Yamanote oh, line God. or something. Of all the places, not Moss Burger. Yeah. I can't stand Moss Burger. It's, it's not good. <laughs> People say it's good, and I pretended I liked it for a long time, but I just don't. I, I, no. The chips are awful. The burgers take forever. They're always pipe. They make it fresh, right? But it's so fresh Mm. that you can't eat it for 25 minutes because it's so damn hot. It's like molten lead when it comes out of the oven. But um, yeah, I love rating my takeaway. It's funny how um, food channels, the most successful food channels, it's always someone who just isn't critical about the food. They turn up, they go, oh, chicken. I love chicken. Oh, it's so delicious, chicken. And that's it. (laughs) But everyone loves it and watches it. It's something, I don't know why that is. I guess it's because people watch these videos when they're eating dinner, right? So they just want to see someone eat something nice. They don't want right, to okay. see someone eat like a spaghetti filled with locusts or spaghetti filled with spiders. They want to just okay. see they someone eat something they nice. They just want more food, right? Because they could be yeah. eating really pedestrian food in a really pedestrian place. Uh, and, and, and YouTubers and um, travel people, food food channels are sort of showing you better food, food you might want to eat instead. <laughs> exactly. I don't right. know. But um, I think it's nice. I'd, I'd love to walk around the Yamanote line. I've been to, I'd say, three quarters of the stops on the Yamanote line. Mm. And a lot of them are just in the middle of nowhere in Tokyo. But... If there was some sort of challenge component you could do while you were walking around it, it could be kind of fun. Like speak to a local mm. at every station. Actually, that'd take a very long time. Screw that. we got one here <laughs> oh, from uh, Mikhail, from Mikhail from Delhi. Uh, hello, Pete and Dave. I'm Mikhail from New Delhi. And I think I found Pete Donaldson's doppelganger uh, attached below. Uh, one day, while I was randomly scrolling through Facebook at 3 a.m., I found this guy who seems to be making cooking videos and has 1.5 million followers on Facebook. The name of the dude is Joshua uh, Weissman. Weissman. Uh, I feel if Pete magically makes his face a little bit chubby, grows his hair, and with his Colonel Sanders beard, uh, they would look completely the same. Perhaps they could even swap places where Pete makes cooking videos and Joshua is the co-founder of a podcast company. Keep up the good work, guys. Mikhail from Delhi. And the guy does look eerily like Pete Donaldson, but slightly chubbier and with longer hair. Joshua Weissman, Weissman. W-E-I-S-S-M-A-M. Um, mm. Look him up. It is frighteningly similar. Oh, the, do you not disagree, he's, Pete? He's, um, he's a lad, and I do get this look like a hell of a lot. I mean, he's got 1.5 million followers on uh, on Twitter. Uh, he's incredibly successful, and he must be gutted that he resembles a 40-year-old man. He must be gutted. But he's made his choices. I, I believe um, reading up on him, because I do get this look like quite a lot, um, reading up on him, he's a, he's a lad who I think was slightly overweight um, when he was sort of like coming out of being a teenager and, and decided to, uh, you know, get, get trim, work out, um, eats better and, and that's kind of his journey making like you know um delicious mm. uh, but, but 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 rather healthy uh, versions of, of of some of the some of the best food in the world and so he yeah he seems very talented incredibly charismatic uh, american chap i think or is he aussie i can't remember either way he's uh, he's 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 basically grown out with his hair um he looks a bit like me um, and he's chosen those sort of NHS glasses that I've also gone for. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. He's, he's let himself down there because he's only 23, 24, and he looks like a 40-year-old man from the northeast of England, not the healthiest part, <laughs> of, the, part of the world. So, unlucky, Joshua. Um, maybe you could, uh, with your 1.5 million followers, maybe uh, employ some kind of um, 
stylist to, to sort your look out. <laughs> I think he looks rather dashing. His Tears, hair looks mate. like a lion's mane. I love it. It's like a lion. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we got one here from David from LA. I'll hand that over to you while I sit. All right then, David from Last LA. Good day, lads. Coffee. You've got no, you've got dregs. You've got Shut dregs up. of Costa Shut Coffee. Up. It looks so gross. Nothing worse than dregs of, of, mm. of cold black coffee. Ugh. Right. Huge fan of the podcast and YouTube channel. Chris, I thoroughly enjoyed your video where you travel to the most northern point of Japan with your American buddy, Pete. I hope to make the same voyage myself when I'm allowed to uh, get back in Japan. During the video, Pete made a comment about traveling to the most southern part of Japan. I did a bit of Googling, and Japan's most southern point is on uh, Hateruma Island in Okinawa. Um, would you consider making a video where you visit this island with Pete? Either one, presumably. I think it would make a great series. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, given you don't have a lot of videos in Okinawa. Take care, lads. David from Los Angeles. I've seen you in your, in your pants in the beach, <laughs> on the beach in Okinawa, I believe, looking at uh, crabs and stuff. I think that's, I think that's I what you're up to. Looking at crabs. Just looking I, at crabs. I, don't, I, I went to Okinawa in 2016 for the first and last time. And it was a nice place. I really liked it. I went with um, some other YouTubers, Rachel and Jin. Mm. And think they they were the only ones that were good. Yeah, Chris Ockney was all right, but uh, <laughs> we um, I remember having a nice a nice romantic stroll with Jun along the beach, and we had a lovely little quiet stroll. And then when I brought up with him three months later, I said, oh, "Jun, remember that lovely stroll?" He went, no, I don't remember. I was like, "Oh, thanks, Jun." Oh, didn't, didn't mean sad, anything to him. Sad. Didn't, didn't mean yeah. anything to him. <laughs> I felt like I'd been in a relationship that I was the only one that I that cared. But yeah. Okinawa is lovely. We'd love to go back, and I do think I would like to go to the most southern point in Japan. Um, it kind of would—it would be very poetic, wouldn't it? Going in with the most northern video. And Pete, I love American Pete. British Pete's all right too, but American Pete, mm. I'd love to to go with him. Um, I think he's got like a broken periscope from Okinawa, so we can go and like find it and fit or go repair it by the one man in Okinawa. Why has he got a periscope? He's got everything. Well, he had a mug from Natsuki that he smashed, and he went to go and find that. And uh, he's a very wacky individual. But he's got a great podcast. Uh, sorry, a great Twitch channel. Uh, you go and check him out. Premier 2 on Twitch. Premier 2. Premier 2. Probably Where not. did these people get these names from? All, all like the most popular streamers have very <laughs> forgettable um, handles on Twitch. I never understand why they've I've, got away with it. I know, it. right? I mean, I've been lecturing him for months to try and change it, but he just doesn't want to. He just loves Premier 2. <laughs> ridiculous but anyway he's a good bloke check him out we've got one here from Jana or Jana it says hi Chris and Pete konnichiwa my name's Jana and this is Germany calling my boyfriend and I have been studying Japanese for two and a half years now initially we were only looking for a language we both found interesting so we could attend a language course together but soon we became more and more enthusiastic about Japan we planned to spend our holiday there in 2020 well that Obviously didn't happen. In the meantime, we luckily found the Abroad Japan channel, which keeps us especially happy. My question for you guys is, as Pete is not only England's top Japan enthusiast, but also one of England's top sports enthusiasts, I was wondering what your thoughts, Pete, are on the Euro 2020 and English fan attitudes. Oh, God. We all saw what happened (laughs) on the news, English England fans trashing Leicester Square. Um, Yana continues, when watching England matches, I found myself irritated by the fans booing uh, not only their opponents when going after the ball, but also in the beginning. And um, they seem very rude. What do you make of it? And Chris, learning about life in Japan, I was baffled to find out that every single item you can buy in, uh, is wrapped in plastic, then put in another plastic bag, and so on. Uh, in Europe, plastic bags are banned entirely from shops, 
and there are general awareness of waste pollution, environmental friendly behaviour. I was wondering if this is a topic in Japan at all. Are there any movements, political agendas or campaigns for sustainable and environmentally friendly ways of living? Danny, thanks, guys. Ja uh, Matane from Germany. Jana. A lot of a lot of things to unpack there. Um, <laughs> any thoughts on, on British people? And English football yeah, fans on English English favorite. football fans. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, um, we're we're recording this a, a few days after uh, England um, uh, did, did, did call themselves in, in glory. Uh, in my opinion, did a, did a wonderful, uh, you know, took took the the best team in the competition to to penalties and and you know had a, had, a, had a lovely time. And I really really cherish this uh, competition. Mm. Um, I love England. I think their their players are progressive. They it is refreshing to see young men who are willing to um, understand the, the 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 scale of uh, of their influence. And I think every last one of that squad have been magnificent and important. And there's very few footballers who have been important in in history, from Marcus Rashford to uh, like Tyron Mings this morning coming out and criticising Pretty Patel at the um, the front secretary. Um, uh, Home Secretary, what she? Mm. whatever she is, she's a nightmare. Um, but uh, but yeah, the, the the sad thing is, um, and something that England has always been plagued by is um, the the uh, I would say away England support. People who go and watch England mm. uh, away, um, they for me it's an extension of some very uh, unseemly and unpalatable um, London-based um, uh, hooligans and racists and uh, xenophobes mm-hmm. and. I think we got a taste of what other countries get a taste of when they um, see um, England abroad effectively. You know, it was like an England away day, but it was in Leicester yeah. Square. Uh, it was like England away day. From, for, but, it, but, it, but it starts, um, but it all comes from the top for me. Um, it's this kind of um, right-wing culture war where they pit um, uh, minorities uh, against um, against white people effectively um, mm. in in order to gain votes. Um, all right, you'll get your votes. You'll you'll, you'll get another um, few years in uh, in power, um, but you won't have much of a country left uh, after it because um, people will be tearing it up because you you've you're fascists effectively. So. It's difficult. It starts at the top. Um, I think also um, a lot of the hooliganism and something you didn't necessarily get in the nineties and the eighties um, is, and it's not just it's not just confined to England. Let's make that very clear. But but the hooliganism you sort of see around now, it's very performative, isn't it? It's doing mm. it for the gram. It's doing it for the excitement of sort of going look at what I'm doing. And I, I don't know what's happened to um, football fans uh, lately. I'm not going to say they're not football fans. They are football fans. Um, that they they take things very personally when their football team lose, mm. um, when a, when a, when a, when a when a black player uh, does something they don't like, they take that very personally and they sort of say, "I can't believe you've done that to me. I can't believe you've done that to me." Right. And, and the insults and the abuse uh, are escalated further than further than you would usually go, um, and and it's not right. And it's and 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 there's a certain role that um, I think drugs play in modern um, football support as well. A lot of cocaine flying around. Uh, a lot of people just, you know, banging, banging lines of it um, while they're at the football, and it, it creates, um, you know, horrific, horrific, uh, you know, horrific problems for for stewards and and and, and people alike. So. It's been a terrible tournament for um, English people it's a, who, who love their side, mm. 
but uh, you know I cannot fault the uh, performance of the manager Gareth Southgate and his team um, I think they've been absolutely wonderful but yeah England fans have always there's always been an element um, but you know it has been accentuated by a little bit of success a lot of cocaine and a culture <laughs> war perpetuated by um, the and perpetuated by um, the, the Tories in, in power unfortunately so yeah <laughs> I mean I I haven't really been up to speed on things that have been going on I, I mean I saw the the footage of Leicester Square being destroyed for literally no reason and it made me very angry and disappointed and uh, yeah it's a shame that there's so many extreme England fans I saw someone shone a laser in the eye of a uh, of a goalkeeper in a game I think it was against Denmark right last week yeah I mean that that happens a lot in South America to be honest this isn't this isn't a, a purely English problem it's it you know yeah. Leo Messi's had, had had a couple of lasers in his face and his time and stuff it it does occasionally happen it's pretty stupid um, and, and I th- but I think they, I think um, football fans and fans in general just think that the authorities are so toothless. You know, you can clubs get, um, you know, cl- clubs have people doing the doing Nazi salutes and and, and doing monkey noises mm, uh, mm, at, at black mm. players, and and they get fined a couple of, couple of hundred euros. Um, and there's no punitive measures at all, really. So they know they can get away with being absolute nightmare men. Um, they know they can get away with this sort of thing, you know, rushing the barriers at Wembley because there's, there's no infrastructure to um, hold anyone to account because the football authorities are so bloody toothless. It's been a real downer on an otherwise impressive it really has. Of, the, of, the, of England getting to the finals. And um, yeah. yeah, a lot of my it friends really have been has. talking about it. A lot of my friends... Have been talking about. It. I'm not that big on football, but I did keep an eye, on, uh, keep watching and seeing what was happening. But yeah, a real shame to be honest. But a very poignant, mm. some very poignant thoughts there from Pete. I feel like when you talk about football, it's like we've got a samurai on this podcast and we've put a sword in his hands and let him finally go to town. We're unleashing <laughs> the power of Pete Donaldson, one of the if you've most heard foremost any of my other rants football on commentators football anywhere <laughs> well, else. You you're know, one of it's the top badly researched. Um, uh, yeah, it's slow, ponderous, confused. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're one of the top football commentators no, one of the, in the UK. Yeah, one of, the, yeah of course, yeah. <laughs> but we never, we never exploit that. And now we have. Thank you, Yara. Uh, we've, we've opened Pandora's box of Pete, yeah. that is Pete Donaldson. Um, but very thoughtful insight there. Nice, nice work, Pete. I don't think I can follow that up. My second question was about carrier bags. It's, it's a political. It's, a, yeah, it's all political with carry bags, but like, no, I, I don't know. In Japan, yeah, they're not very good. They do wrap up like bananas in they single wrap bananas in, mm. in in a bag, and I don't know why they do that. And um, yes, they are bad. They recycle everything here, but they do also wrap things up a lot. And only in the last year have they made uh, carrier bags something you have to pay for, uh, right. like the rest of the world. So they're catching up, catching up, but. Uh, yeah, Japan just They're very just good at care. separating recycling, though. They're, they're obsessive with uh, what you can put in bags. You know, mm. you, you go to an Airbnb and, this, and, and the Airbnb person will literally go, look, do not even bother trying to recycle because it's so complicated. <laughs> there is 15 different kinds of plastic, 15 different kinds of paper, uh, and it all needs to be separated into separate bins. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when I say Japan doesn't care a minute ago, I was, I was meant more like gift wrapping and using wrapping. They certainly right, care yeah. when it comes to recycling. Um, mm. You know, I have to separate everything into like 400 bins every day, and I'd be lying if I said I enjoyed it, but doing my part for the world here, doing my part for the world. But um, I also buy the single wrapped bananas, so I'm also a villain. I'm very evil. We're trying to destroy. (laughs) Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. In our daily lives, we all carry around with us different stresses. They can be big, they can be small, and sometimes we might not even realise that we're carrying them around with us. But if these feelings stay bottled up, they can start to affect us negatively, which is why having a positive outlet for discussion can be such a valuable tool for your well-being. Therapy can be a perfect outlet for your inner stressors. It's a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Sometimes just speaking things out into the open can be such a great release of inner tension, so you can spend less time stressing about the issue and more time figuring out how you can overcome it. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com forward slash Japan today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com forward slash Japan. Join me. Jaguar, the host of BBC Introducing Dance on Radio 1 for my brand new podcast, Utopia Talks. It's a reactive platform to discuss issues that my generation care about in dance music culture and the wider world. I'll be talking to some of the biggest names in dance music, including people like Heidi. The lineups do not need to be 99% male-driven. Mm. There's all these interesting new producers and women that are coming through. You know, all sorts. Yeah. It's like women are speaking out now. And the sensational Bless Madonna. I feel like literally my entire life has led up to this. This is the first event we've had like this, not just in the UK, but really in the Western Hemisphere. And to be able to be here with all of these people who are so happy is just absolutely the biggest, highest joy of my life. As well as having the meaty conversations I often have with friends that I'd love you to join in with. There's so much new energy coming out of the pandemic and there's so many like new nights and festivals yeah, yeah. and everyone's really pushing for this new structure where people genuinely don't feel anxious mm-hmm. about coming to a club night because of the way they look or the way they dress. It's more about everyone in. To me, Utopia is a perfect moment. It's togetherness. It's the future. 
I want to live in a more inclusive, equal world, and I hope this podcast will build a community and help create change. Subscribe now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you like to get your podcasts. New episodes dropping every Wednesday. Welcome to Utopia Talks. Utopia Talks is a stack production and part of the ACAST Creator Network. Uh, we've got one here from Anne. Uh, she says, hello, Chris and Pete. I'm sending my second message to the fax machine today. Second message? That's just greedy. Uh, last time, Chris mispronounced my name. Uh-oh. Oh, that's really odd. Uh-oh. And it must be Anne. It's spelled, N- it's spelled A-N-A-I-S. Anne, right? Come <laughs> well, on. She sent the, she sent the uh, Katakana version. Oh, damn. There's an S in there, isn't the end? Okay, yeah. yeah. I've said it wrong. So Anne continues. It's okay, Chris said my name wrong. I've never met an English speaker who can pronounce it correctly. I'll help you this time using Katakana. It is Anaisu. Anais. Nice. Ah. It's a nice name, isn't it? Oh, today I have a question about radio media in general in Japan. I used to be a top Belgian radio DJ before moving to Japan. (laughs) Wow, Pete Donaldson's rival, but in Belgium. Mm. When I moved to Japan, people asked me where I used to work and I would answer a local radio station. That answer was always the same. Sugoi, incredible. But when I asked if they listened to the radio, they said no, because you can watch the TV in your car in Japan. Who needs the radio? (laughs) Good point. So my question for Chris is how do you think Japanese people consume radio and television? Is it still a thing for younger generations, or do they prefer YouTube or Nickel Nickel? Another one for Pete. Um, Pete, who is listening to us? The radio people. I worked six years on radio stations across Belgium, (laughs) and I don't know who my listeners are. When I asked around, nobody's really interested in radio, but I can still see the number of listeners going up every day on my broadcasting software. Who are these people? Thank you for the podcast, guys. It keeps me busy while I'm commuting every day to Japanese school. Keep it up. Anais from Belgium. In Yokohama, <laughs> sounds like who's a, listening? Sounds to like me? a broadcasting software bug. It does. <laughs> <Just> the <laughs> integers just going up oh and up. God. Oh no! Um, yeah, I mean the the way I don't know how um, radio is calculated or radio listening figures are calculated in Belgium, but certainly the thing that always made me bloody howl uh, in England, um, very antiquated system in England. Um, mm. We literally to everyone who's um, in the census, everyone who's on the uh, electoral roll. Um, we send out uh, uh, the, the governing uh, body, um, Rajar. They send out diaries to um, huh. select few. Um, so for every thousand person, uh, for, for every thousand people, uh, one person will get one diary, and they're huh. expected to fill it in about their radio habits for, um, no for for the week, and you know tell people what they've been listening to, who they've been listening to, who they prefer, uh, and this gets extrapolated out. So for every um, uh, one person is that means a thousand people. So. It gets extrapolated out. Um, the only problem is, like, who bloody, a, who can be asked to fill out a radio diary? <laughs> who can mail it back? With it? And they, you get little stickers you put on next to people's names and, and, and the times and the radio stations and stuff. And, um, yeah, it's it's a really antiquated and, and, and old school way of, of doing things. But it's been that mm. way for such a long time. And with each new kind of, like, technological iteration, like, n- it's never got more accurate. Um, online, obviously, you've got access to your own servers. You kind of know who's listening and where they're listening and the demographic and stuff. So, obviously, those listens are a little bit more valuable because you kind of know their demographic. You know where they are and, and, and you can serve ads um, that, that kind of yeah. fit their bills a little bit more. But, yeah, um, I'm always – I always find it very funny that we've got such an old school – 
um, Rage Your Diary uh, operated. You know, people lose their jobs when their listening figures go down. Um, Jesus, and it could yeah. just be as simple as one person not filling in one diary correctly about Good their God. listening habits. It's so weird. Um, so, yeah, when I'm, when I'm in Japan and I tell people I'm a um, radio no DJ, um, they, uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't think they really know what it is, to be honest. <laughs> I mean... I think it was a good move to get out of radio. I do. Th- I think the end of radio is nigh because the whole listening to songs that you don't really want to listen to it just feels a bit outdated now. Like the most, the radio stations I listen to are just a guy talking or a woman talking about something and giving mm. political insight or insight on something. And that's why podca- podcasts are sort of taking over. I think. I think radio is on its way out. And yeah, in Japan though. Everywhere has a TV in the corner. Like every small mum and pup restaurant or cafe has a TV running in the corner. It's very rarely radio. Um, mm. The last time I heard a radio was in a taxi last week. Oh, he was I playing would. jazz music. It was all rather cool. I felt like I was in a film. Oh, nice. I got in the car and it was like, shady secret agent film from the 1960s. A bullet or something, yeah. Um, I like the fact that, um, I mean, it would be really funny if uh, like, there was public access television in Japan. Where's the ordinary man on the street going to get his kind of Wayne's World style <laughs> shot? I would love, because you know how eccentric the Japanese are at times, and that's why we love the love the country, but I would love to sort of see public access Natsuki on TV bollocks, where he's had to film it himself. To be fair, that's what Japan Japanese YouTube is. There's a lot of wacky people uh, mm. on YouTube Japan. I'd be lying if I said I watched any of them, but there are... Quite a lot of wacky characters on uh, Japan's YouTube sort of community. It's a very <laughs> interesting community, and so it's a good rabbit hole to go down. Yeah. yeah. You never know what you're going to find there. But, uh, yeah, radio, <laughs> I think its days are numbered, sadly. Um, that is all we've got time for this week, ladies and gentlemen. Keep the stories, questions, comments coming into to Japan Podcast at gmail.com. We'll be back later this week to do it all over again. But for now, no matter where you might be, out in the big wide world, enjoy the rest of the week, and we'll see you then to do it all over again the Board Japan podcast. Bye for now. Abroad in Japan is a stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.